Welcome to Sideline Judgment. My name is Sergio. My name is Tyler. And today, Tyler, we are reviewing everything that happened in week seven of the college football. We'll go through rapid reactions. We'll go through five wide. We'll go through two point. We'll talk about how I am slowly, slowly cutting the gap. Just want to let you know. I ain't going to be cashing in out here. I'm, I'm, I'm going to start running the ball. I got to build on it. I ain't going to start throwing around all the place. Okay. I, I got right. to start slowly, consistently okay. building my lead back up. All right, Dan Quinn. Um, we will then. Oh, wow. <laughs> uh, but first, that Tyler. That cuts deep. <laughs> <laughs> Let's start off with some quick hits. Two COVID-related new pieces of news to talk about. First off, Jeff Mullen. Jeff Mullen, Jesus. Dan Mullen. <laughs> what a pro. Just Off to a great start. <laughs> just the perfect example of what podcasting should be. Dan Mullen has the coronavirus. Tyler, first okay. and foremost, I know we hope he gets better, obviously. No, I hope he gets better. I think he'll be fine. He's a warrior. Well, yeah. okay. He, he's a healthy man. He runs every day. He does. Like, I'm sure he'll be fine. He's quarantining from his family. Mm-hmm. I have to say something, though. Oh, please. Objectively, this is hilarious. Yeah, let's <laughs> take apart the fact that the disease is, you know, it's a global pandemic. It's the worst disease in 100 years, and a lot of people have died from this. Take all that apart. This is yeah. hysterical. This is uh, oh my god! After not only saying it in a moment of frustration that he wants to pack the swamp with ninety, which was fans, wrong, which was which wrong. is wrong. But if he had said, "Okay, I said that I was mad in the moment," I would have forgiven it. But he doubled down like three oh, times. Oh yeah, <laughs> he did the um, wrong thing and doubled down. Which credit again, once again, Scott Strickland and Ken Fox uh, to say, "No, we're not doing that." Yeah. <laughs> um, but this is objectively karmically hilarious yeah and did you see like, did you see on twitter the 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 lincoln project they did that video oh yeah that ugh. it just hits it, it hits so wrong because i think what they were doing was they were definitely trying to spin it as like dan mullen is like a trump advisor <laughs> somehow yeah some way. like i didn't i didn't I understand know. it they like all it was was like a bunch of aerial shots of of the swamp. The swamp. And that has been drained. That is, that's clearly been pandemic. drained. And also, I don't have they ever been to Gainesville? Because I like in Florida, Gainesville is one of those like small blue pockets where if yeah. you look at polling and, and voting histories, Gainesville's gone blue for a bunch of elections in a row. And so it's not like a big Trump hotbed. Outside of Gainesville, yes, I can understand. Yeah, sure. But Gainesville itself isn't really that because it's a bunch of college kids and college professors and intellectuals. Um, so, yeah, it was just really weird. Like, this whole Mullen and COVID thing is just all over the rails. Um, yeah. Our Gator game next week, there's a bunch of schedule changes. We're going to talk about them in our preview episode for next week, Tyler. But there are a bunch of schedule changes in the SEC. Um, yeah. So, I hope you get better, Dan Mullen. But objectively... This is hilarious. The irony is really funny. I will say yeah. that. As a Florida fan, I can acknowledge, yes. as a, especially as a Florida yes. fan, I acknowledge how hilarious this I is. I need to find the humor in this because of how sad the past 10 days have been as a Florida fan. <laughs> <laughs> um, Tyler, other fan bases that won't have their head coach on the sidelines this Saturday, that's Purdue because Jeff Brom has come down with coronavirus. Uh, we wish him nothing but the best. He is isolating as well. Purdue is scheduled to begin their season this coming week. We will talk about the Big Ten this week, Tyler. We will be talking about the Big Ten. Yeah, we will. We'll be introducing another conference back into the fold. Um, So just updating everyone on that. Two coaches that have tested positive for coronavirus. They are isolated. We hope they get better. Tyler, before we go to rapid reactions, because we got a few games to talk about, let's talk about the AP poll. Um, 
as expected. Okay. What do you What do you want to talk about? Who, whoever, <laughs> whoever put Notre Dame at three. Um, I just want to talk. I just want to talk yeah. physically with my hands in a calm, <laughs> but maybe sometimes heated manner. I just want to have a conversation. Manner. An assertive, an assertive manner. manner. I just want to have a conversation. Because Clemson one, Alabama two. No problem with either of those. At all. Of the course correct not. ranking. Two best teams in the country. You know, I'm not even mad that they kept Georgia at four, really. No, like, I'm not. Because Georgia shows. We'll talk it. about that later. But Georgia showed they can compete, at least. They can hang. Um, Notre Dame at three is a stretch. They scored 12 points on Louisville. <laughs> Tyler, did you? They, they beat Louisville by five points, and while only scoring twelve. Tyler, Louisville doesn't have a defense. Louisville has no defense. Like they don't field the players. <laughs> like it's just eleven players, and then special teams, and then they don't put a defense on the field. So I'm concerned. I'm 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 very. I continue personally. I continue to forget that Notre Dame exists this season. I don't know why. Like. Well, I know why. It's because they're on the NBC all the time. Yes. Uh, but I, I don't <laughs> – I just – I don't understand. Like, I don't know how they move up to three in that kind of a win. I'd As is much it, as I have been advocating that we should not – Put Oklahoma State at three. I'll, I dare you. Why not? I would be more okay with that. While, while I have been a big advocate of we should not be ranking teams that haven't played yet, I would be more understanding of Ohio State at three that hasn't played a football game than this Notre Dame team at three. And I get it. Yeah. You gotta put you gotta put someone at three. Yeah. But I'd rather other teams at this point. Yeah. Like I don't ugh. Well, let, let's talk about some of the other teams. Right. Um Oklahoma State at six, mm-hmm. Texas AM jumps up to seven from eleven. Texas AM had a s- had a good performance coming off of yeah. the big win against Florida. And, they they were able to we'll build talk off about of it, it more. Yeah. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk about it more. Mm-hmm. Penn State at 8, Cincinnati at 9 stays there. Florida at 10, didn't play didn't this play. week, obviously. Cincinnati didn't play uh, either. So. Yeah, Miami jumps up to 13, uh, from 13 to 11. Mm-hmm. BYU is number 12. Put, put them at Let's 3. Let's go. Put BYU put, put, at 3. Put, by, put BYU at 3. No, for real, though. Put put BYU at 3. Hashtag BYU you won't. at 3. You won't. You won't. They played, more ga- they played five games. Undefeated. And they won every single one. They got Mormon Clearly. Menzel. Yeah. There's something in the milk, dude. Oregon is at 13, Wisconsin at 14, North Carolina falls from number 5 to number 14. That is a drop. Mm. SMU uh, moves up to 16 from 17, Iowa State moves up to 17 from 20. They did not play this week. Mm-hmm. Uh, a couple of these teams didn't play. Michigan moves up from 19 to 18 for some reason. Sure. Um Virginia Tech moves up from 23 to 19. Kansas State moves up from 22 to 20. Minnesota moves up from 24 to 21. And then three new teams. Uh, Marshall comes in at 22. Hello, Conference USA. Hello. NC State gets 23. Didn't think I'd see that happen. Hello. USC is at 24. And then who's at 25, 25, Tyler? Coastal Carolina, the Chanticleers. Oh. No chance. Yeah, baby. They they look good. They they beat Louisville. Uh, no Louisiana this week. They they did. They knocked on a top they twenty-five team. They could have beat team. Louisville. I bet. They they're essentially Big Twelve champions. So put them at three. Put them. <laughs> no, I would put BYU at three, and then we could put Coastal Carolina at four. That's that's the power oh, okay, rankings. Okay, that's okay. power rankings. Clemson, Bama, BYU, Coastal Carolina. Those are your top four. <laughs> <laughs> I'm about it. That is the sideline judgment. 
playoff playoff teams at yeah. this moment. Oh man. Okay. Um, I'm happy Coastal Carolina is in. I'm happy NC State is in. I'm happy Marshall is in. Um, as much as I'm like Notre Dame, really, I mean, I get, I mean, who else are you gonna put there? Like, you you can't put can't put Georgia. Yeah, you but, can't put Georgia up to three, right? Just because you're, I believe, your fifth, your number five team lost. Correct. Because if North Carolina had won, they likely would be in that spot. Yeah, for sure, of course. Um, of course, but they didn't. But they did, which we will talk about momentarily. Yeah. I think I, it's it's temp it's gonna be temporary. I think the team in the top ten that gave us the best showing outside of Bama and Clemson because we know that they're on another level was A and M. So I'm not saying I would have liked A and M at three, but I didn't mind A and M going from eleven to seven. I thought that was a reason. I didn't mind jump. it either. So listen, we're gonna get Big Ten teams playing, so we're gonna be able to see some product. On Actually, the field. start to see this get exactly exactly. So for now, we will leave the top twenty five poll at B. Uh, at bay tyler let's go into rapid reactions and i want to start off with the number one team in the country the clemson tigers demolishing that's too kind that's too kind um just flat out disrespect they won by 66 points (laughs) they put up 73 points against georgia tech they 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 hit the over by themselves i don't remember the last time i've seen a team hit the over on their own see that's the thing the number one team in the country beat an unranked team and the number two team in the country beat the number four team in the country at so in a good game. Mm-hmm. So you'd think that the number two team in the country would, who's played a higher level competition so far, would jump up to number one. You would think, but when you win by sixty six points on the road, well, well, here's the thing, Tyler, and and it's not even in doubt the whole and at any real point. Here's really. here's the thing. After looking at Alabama's defense, who improved this week, we will talk yes. about that. They improved this week, and then looking at Clemson as a whole. There isn't a result that could have made me put Alabama over Clemson just given the sheer perfection that is Clemson football right now. They're an NFL team. Like, I'm not even kidding. They look like an NFL team. They operate in a way that is methodical. They operate in a way that is – they will they will come for the jugular. They'll do a big play when they want to kind of humble you. They'll do the drive that's – 12 plays, seven and a half minutes, 94 yards if they want to. They can beat you any way they want. They can beat you in one play if they really want yeah, to. Yeah, for real. Like, they had their the, punter. Trevor Lawrence is better. Yeah. He's getting better. Yes. And that's scary to me. That's cr- insane. Insane. So um, we just wanted to mention that because Clemson is ridiculous. So there's that. Mm-hmm. The aforementioned Notre Dame Fighting Irish beat Louisville twelve to seven. We kind of talked about this game already. We kind if of you watch this game. Bless you. If you watch this game, um, yeah, I mean, you, you, please, I, you have a stomach for things that I don't. Send an email to sidelinejudgment at gmail.com. We will look to see how we can refund you your time. We don't know how, but we will look. I haven't invented quite yet, but we will look into it. We'll figure it out. No one deserves to sit through a twelve seven Notre Dame Louisville game where. Ian Book celebrates the game-winning touchdown like he's going to the national championship game. I don't. Ugh. It was it was it's ugly. Bad. It was ugly. I I bad. I started watching highlights. Keyword started, and I did not finish. <laughs> Just not a game that was fun to watch. I, I watched like about a drive of this game live, and I said too much, nah. too much time. Nah. <laughs> And, and our friend, friend of the pot, Michael Phillips, who uh, what his secondary team is Notre Dame mm-hmm. from from his family side. Yeah, it's like I had to watch this. There was nothing better on. I'm like, I I disagree. <laughs> there was a football game on that was somewhere else. So that's what I went to. 
I think playoff baseball was better than Notre Dame Louisville on a college football Saturday. I, no, I agree. Yeah. Um, let's move forward to a game that was during that similar time slot. So, Michael, you liar. South Carolina beating Auburn 30 to 22. Will Muschamp did it. Tyler, just I got <laughs> what? Okay, so there's multiple ways to attack the, this. Um, I'm at I am at your I am at your lead. Take it away, my friend. You know what? We'll be positive first. Let's go from the uh, from the South Carolina perspective. Mm-hmm. Okay, South Carolina, not as bad as I thought they were. No, they they beat uh, they played Tennessee really close. They lost to Florida. Uh, they lost to Tennessee. They beat Vanderbilt, and they come in and beat Auburn. And I, I think it was pretty evident that they were a better team for Hands most down. of the game. Hands like, down. And I think a thing that I mentioned in passing that I think has to be talked about is that while Colin Hill, their quarterback at the moment, is a graduate transfer to South Carolina, he was Mike Bobo's quarterback at Colorado State for two years. Yes. He's been in this system. So for all intents and purposes, he's a three-year starting quarterback. Right. Which is another thing when I say – Quick sidebar, when, when we would talk about Florida's defense, you look back and they've played three quarterbacks that have been in the same offenses mm-hmm. or that are in productive offenses for like, and have played for like multiple years yeah. in their first three games. Not a great recipe for having good defense. And South Carolina was actually able to move the ball. Shy Smith just, man, went crazy. Insane. And he, like, I mean, he was always their best receiver this year, yeah. but like he he's, he's elevated to another level. Yeah. Their running backs are playing real well. Colin Hill, once again, he just he can move, he can throw. He's he's so far the best quarterback that Will Muschamp has had at South Carolina. Yeah, and and from a product from a productivity standpoint. And there was a lot of questions, like you said, where why is he beating out Holinsky? Because Holinsky was looking like he was improving at the end of last season, but yeah, he was very true freshmany. But like, right, but when you get someone who's been in your system for two years, like uh, a Hill, you know, there's going to be some improvement there. So. I did like it. I, I do have a question, though. Auburn. Um, yeah, let's flip to that. Buddy. I think, listen, we joke tongue-in-cheek lightheartedly about um, the Gus Malzahn high school advanced. Like, it's just an advanced high school offense. Basically. But, dude. It's like a gimmick offense. You, you're losing games that way. You are losing now. football games now. It's it's unacceptable for you to put that kind of product out on the field with the players that you have. Bo Nix is getting into fights with his arguments with his uh, with his with teammates. His best wide receiver, his Seth best Williams. wide exactly best wide receiver there. Anthony later on. Schwartz being in this offense hurts me in my soul. Yeah, like the fat Bo Nix underthrows every throw in the intermediate to short area of the field and is somehow also capable of overthrowing the fastest man in college football. Right. It, it's um, And he over, overthrew, overthrew him multiple times in this game. So here's the thing. I know I say that all the time. I say the phrase, here's the thing. But I'm going to say it again. Here's the thing. Mm-hmm. Auburn brought in Chad Morris. And for the first game, the offense, like the passing offense did look less clunky. But I've come to realize in lately in games, all that really means is they're just calling more passing plays. Right. Because Chad Morris and Gus Malzahn have always run kind of similar offenses from their times in high school football in Arkansas. Mm-hmm. They're just calling more passing plays, but it doesn't look to me like Bo Nix has gotten any better at the, the, the position of quarterback. Like, I saw him at one point step into pressure. Mm-hmm. Uh, the 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 defensive end was coming around and beating his his left tackle. He stepped into where the left tackle was being beat back towards. That put him off back, so he's falling backwards. Makes a throw that is entirely his fault that he's falling backwards in pressure. Mm-hmm. He could have stepped up in the pocket. It was clean rest of the right side of the pocket, and he throws a pick. 
That's the thing. They're calling more passing plays for Bo Nix. Great. The thing is, he hasn't developed in the position of quarterback Correct. at all. You and you and they can't... have better wide receivers than they usually do. So, like, I get the strategy, mm-hmm. but all their the, all the thing that they're doing with passing offense is they they just call more passing plays, but they haven't actually developed Bo Nix as a passer in any sort of way. Exactly. And you don't develop a quarterback by just telling them to throw the football. There's a scheme that needs to go around it. There's an entire uh, like thing that needs to go around all of that. You know. So yeah. you need to make the sure way that you, you play the position exactly. matters, not just playing the position. And having that kind of high school advanced offense isn't going to cut it because there's a reason that players kind of max out at high school because the offense doesn't allow them to improve. That's what's mm-hmm. happening here. And it doesn't help that those passing plays were called and it was like, you know who we should throw to? We should throw to probably a future first-round draft pick, J.C. Horn. We should do that. Like, let's do that. Let's let's throw to yeah. J.C. Horn's direction, who's completely shutting down our best players whenever he wants. Let's do that. Let's do that. That's a bad idea, Just <laughs> Auburn. bad. Just bad all around. Oh, my gosh. Speaking fun. of bad. Oh, we want to talk about bad now? <laughs> we want to talk about bad? <laughs> okay, yeah. Let's – good listeners that have been with us for a while. Our, our dearest, our dearest audience. You know what we got. To, there's nothing that we can say about this game that would provide any new analysis to how we feel about the Tennessee Volunteers. Is that going to stop us? Absolutely not. Nope. Jared Garantano threw two back-to-back pick sixes in this game. Back-to-back. I said, here's the funny, the funny part, is that I texted Sergio and I said, Kentucky is about to win this game doing jack bleep word mm-hmm. on offense. Yep. Guess what? Tennessee only scored seven points. They could have won this game if they didn't score a single other point. But Kentucky goes on to win 34-7 to in Knoxville. First time winning in Knoxville in years. Um, I just... Kentucky, Kentucky's offense, it looked... They were getting better. They, they were figuring themselves it's out. Like a, but Kentucky's defense just looks just like night and day from the Ole Miss game. It's kind of like Kentucky took what worked last year with Lynn Bowden Jr., and it's trying to infuse aspects of that into their offense that they originally planned to run. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's what it seems like say, it's happening. I will say that I think if they had a better offensive coordinator than Eddie Grand, mm-hmm. Kentucky could really be something. Yeah. Um, I think he's fine. He's a net he's a net zero offensive coordinator. I don't think he puts sets you back. Right. But He's been lucky. He's had the best running back in school history and one of the most electric playmakers in school history the last couple of years. Yeah. And now they're, they're just – Mark Supes has built the program to a point where they've got enough offensive talent. This is one of their – in the recent years, this is one of their less explosive offenses, but they still have great running backs. They play well. Mark Supes, when you go to another job, get a dip, just don't bring Eddie Grant with you. Yeah. But, like, <laughs> it's working. And Tennessee – so okay, here's where I want to jump. We told y'all. Here's where we I want to jump y'all. in. Here's where I want to jump in. Not only did Go we ahead. tell you on multiple episodes of this podcast, Jared Gar- uh, Garantano, w- he is who we thought he was. He's inconsistent. He has flashes where he shows us that he is capable of being a quarterback in the SEC. Then he has flashes where he throws back-to-back pick sixes and gets benched. Like these are things that you just you need not to be like able to control. Not like excusable pick sixes too. No, they were like, bad. Not like excusable, they were bad. They were bad. One was wide open on the on the sideline that was just an easy thirty yards in, like packed it, packed in your own, uh, in your own end zone area. So there's that yeah. number one. Number two, all of the other positions on this team, pretty good. The offensive yeah. line is good. The skill players are good. The defense, pretty good. Like. Jeremy, the defense was holding Kentucky down for a long period of credit, this game. Yeah, credit to Jeremy Pruitt for recruiting well, 
and for developing every single position on this team with the exception of quarterback. And we've seen it before happen. It's looking more and more like this is a Will Muschamp. He's bald Will Muschamp. He's bald Will Muschamp, man. He's bald Will Muschamp, and except that maybe he has a better offensive coordinator than Muschamp has had throughout his years. Maybe not Mike Bobo, but, you know, throughout the time. where Because the offense has a concept. They're trying to do this. They have an identity. They have an identity. It's just you need a different orchestrator you need a different conductor you need a different quarterback someone to do that and that brings me back to my point basically that i that i keep iterating is that that's so true but the thing is considering how i feel about uh jeremy pruitt i'm just not gonna believe that that's going to happen under him until i see it agreed agreed I, we've had this conversation for 10 years about one last champion uh, uh, and to this point it's happening but that's like you're getting a three-year graduate transfer quarterback and his offensive coordinator yeah and like even then your offense is you know okay mm. it wasn't horrible great. last year no. yeah so here, here's my last thing on tennessee uh i was looking around the the magical forums uh earlier today Ooh. and tennessee fans are all in tyler oh boy they are all in on one arch manning the nephew of oh, peyton manning no uh he's not until y'all two- think archie manning going to tennessee over Ole miss he, get out of here he is 2023 tyler so here's where I'm at. They have such little faith in their quarterbacks that they're like all in on a player who is a sophomore in high school right now. Jeez. Yeah, exactly. That's not a great sign. Not a great That's sign, a, dude. Not and additionally, if Lane Kiffin is still at Ole Miss, there is there is no way. Could you imagine? Archie Manning. Did you watch? Did you watch Arch part of Arch Manning's high school game on ESPN two the other night? Uh, I did watch a little. Bit. I watched a bit too. Can you imagine this man with Lane Kiffin? I mean, it's too much. It's too much. This would imply that Lane Kiffin is still in Oxford by 2023. And there's two reasons that I'm not really sure that's going to happen. One, he might be too good and he might get a better job. Or two, it's Lane Kiffin and it could all go terribly wrong. True. Um, Very true. But if that happens, Tennessee, you're not getting (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Uh, All right, Tyler. One more uh, team to talk about before we go into our five-wide recap, and that is one more game. That is FSU beating the number five team in the country, North Carolina, 31-28. to um, Let me say this. Okay. North Carolina is a second-half team. <laughs> I need to receive the contact information for every wide receiver and every single running back to ever come through the North Carolina football program. Because, Tyler, because if it was not for two blatant, disrespectful, unworthy drops <laughs> on third and fourth down driving late in the game, not only would North Carolina have won this football game, but allegedly, Tyler, allegedly, <laughs> The parlay of Alabama minus five and North Carolina money line would have hit, allegedly. You can see that I wrote that on the napkin. You can go back and look at the weekly napkin that goes up on Saturday mornings. So, yeah, um, I'm mad. Also, remember all that stuff we talked about wanting FSU to be good again? I take it all back. I hate watching them celebrate. I got to be honest. I was was near some uh, FSU fans when when they won this game, and uh, while it – Briefly made me happy to see them happy because they had not been happy in a long time. Mm-hmm. I immediately hated it. No, but you know the perfect <laughs> scenario? 
would have been this game if North Carolina came back and won it because it would have said, ah, yes, there is proof of a concept. There is an improvement that we are seeing throughout this first half. There's something to look forward to, but you still lost, and that's what I want to see. And I, I'm a clown it, but like, and, hey, this is a – I still – once again, we got to clarify this. Yes. North Carolina is still a much better team than Florida State. Yes, agreed. I feel no qualms with saying that. But – and I think a lot of it has to do with – not necessarily getting lucky, mm-hmm. but uh, Florida Florida State caught some breaks. Yep, um, and they also that interception behind the line, which mm-hmm. was huge. Yep, and a large part of that is I think North Carolina is not when Sam Howell gets to throw deep. He's future really future good. Minnesota Vikings quarterback. Future Sam Minnesota Sam Vikings speak to him by his full name, please. Thank you. Yeah, when future Minnesota Vikings quarterback Sam Howell, when he, they let him throw deep, he's really good at it. Yeah. But their offense is so horizontal, mm-hmm. and that and they they didn't test it really at any point. That allowed FSU to just pin their ears back and be like, they're just going to attack the line of scrimmage. So yeah. if we just stay here, and when you have and when you have an NFL talent on the defense side of the ball like FSU has, that plays to your advantage. Yeah, and Marvin Wilson. That's, by that's, the way. that's how they got so far down, mm-hmm. and when they when. North Carolina was finally like, okay, well, we got to throw deep to win. Yeah, they were moving the ball yeah. all over the place, and it looked beautiful. They had better wide receivers, they have better running backs, and if not for those drops, the aforementioned drops, they would have won. Yep, but you know, too bad. That's football, though, <laughs> Tyler. Um, I do, I am interested in hearing the perspective of an FSU fan. So, Tyler, I heard that you have been able to secure the reaction of some FSU fans. I have. A good friend of mine, Blake Brandon, he is an FSU alum, mm-hmm. and he works here at in Panama City at the uh, opposite station that I work at. He uh, is a reporter. But he, Do you guys get together in an alley like Anchorman? Yeah, we can't tell our bosses that we uh, – oh. I mean, it's probably not Alleg- great that I'm putting this Allegedly. on, on a, reported, a reported meeting. Allegedly, I know Blake Brandon. <laughs> um, but uh, I was able to secure his reaction to the win. I was with him when it happened, but – now I talked to him a little bit later about like his actual thoughts on the game and such. So you guys can listen to that right here. I am here with good friend of the pod, Blake Brandon, uh, a FSU alum and uh, watcher of them beating North Carolina. I uh, wanted to hear a couple of your thoughts. How are you today, my friend? I'm good. I'm good. It's the first uh, first Sunday after a Florida State game that I felt uh, felt confident in <laughs> in a while. Uh, but yeah, but yeah, feeling good. Um, I haven't really had too much of a chance to go back and and watch the game in depth um, and kind of go back and look at everything. But just I mean, just from a even from a casual fans standpoint, it's you have to feel. Pretty, I mean, somewhat confident in Florida State after after watching that from last night. At least somewhat, like. But it was it's it was such a huge, just such a huge boost. I think for for ever. I mean, for fans, for obviously for coaches, but I think especially for players. Um, you know, uh, offense, defense, special teams, all all assets or all facets of the game. Um, just a huge confidence boost because it's Florida State has been in that situation before. Uh, we saw uh, pretty much all the games, you know, last year where you'd have build a huge lead in the second or in the first half and then just blow it absolutely in the second half, and yeah. you kind of started to see that rear its head again 
Um, and and not to and, and again, of course, not to discredit North Carolina because they have an amazing offense in the ACC. They're putting up forty plus points a game, um, or somewhere thereabouts. You know, the past couple of weeks. So it was going into that game. I just I expected it to be a shootout. I did not expect what happened in the first half at all. So. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it was, it was pretty impressive. I I mean, I expect that with any team that's FSU, like, even when you're bad, you have, just like when Florida's bad, like, or Clemson's bad, whenever that will ever happen, um, you still have more talent than, like, most teams that you play. Right. Um, so it's, it's sometimes going to be hard to blow them out, even because, like, overall, I think Florida State is probably still a more talented team than North Carolina. But I was very impressed with, like, the way the game played out. Right, like, yeah. It's it was it was just. I mean, you started off like right out of the gate, just with another. You know, I mean, Mike Norvell has been even when he was at Memphis. Everywhere that he has been, he has preached special teams as a huge part of his of his coaching mindset. And you know, you you don't think about it, but you know, it's obviously you always think that PATs are automatic. You know, or field goals are field goals within a certain range are automatic. But, should be automatic. Yeah, should yeah. be automatic. But I mean, it's. I think that we've we've seen this year that special teams are so incredibly important. The Florida State, like just it, just even in like kickoff and punt returns, the more so in kickoff returns because you can you can those are more returnable than punts are most of the time. Uh, Florida State's numbers have just gone. They even if the numbers haven't gone up, the entire like kickoff unit looks a lot better. Marvin Wilson leads the country uh, in blocked kicks. Florida State's like one of the only teams that has a blocked field goal, a blocked PAT, yeah. and a blocked punt in the country. Um, so it's like specialty, and that's what and that's what kicked everything off last night. Was a, it was a blocked punt that ended up one play the next, the, you know, the very next play ended up being a t- uh, touchdown. But so it's it, little things like that, and you kind of start to see the players, you know. Kind of, you kind of start to see people buying in now. Now that you yeah. have that, it it it's a lot easier to buy in when you're winning. So, <laughs> well, there's proof of concept. Uh, just that, like, it, when it all when it all works, it works. This can be achieved. <laughs> yeah, it works. And like, it's been a far cry from what FSU's had the last like two years. Oh, absolutely, um, yeah. And I, and you know, I did. I hate to like beat a dead horse, but it really all starts with like good quarterback play and I think Florida State has really for the time being anyways and in this system have have found a quarterback in Jordan Travis and have now kind of tailored the offense to uh get to his skill set yeah 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 to to um whatever the word is I'm looking for to (laughs) to to enhance his that's a sign of a good coach in Mike Norvell in that uh Taylor uh Taylor making his offense to his players and this thing, like, I always know Mike Norvell's always been, like, while he's had good passing offenses, I've always felt that he's more of a creative use of the run game guy. And I think you, it's as been evidence, like, you're going to be able to find a lot of to do with that um, with Jordan Travis. So as long as you guys keep leaning in there and uh, keep keep producing on special teams, like, that's huge. And I can't – you mentioned it a little bit, like, I, you can't underplay the amount – that Marvin Wilson means to this team. Yeah, I, it, this was, I, I mean, it not it not just Marvin Wilson, but honestly, the defense as a whole looked entirely different than it did 
than it did last week. Now, now credit to Adam Fuller. He has tried a different defensive scheme in every single game that Florida State has played. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> to try to try and get some to get the people in the right positions to make plays, and and if that means you know simplifying it and making sure that you know players are just where they need to be, then that's then he said that that's what he's going to do. Like his his whole mindset is whenever you get a new defensive coordinator and any new staff in, you know they have to kind of. They each coach in their own individual way, and, and sometimes that doesn't translate the, across the board to everybody. So you try and make it as simple as you can to try and get everyone where they need to be when they need to be there to make the plays that they need to make. And I think whatever whatever they did in practice this week, whatever scheme they came up with, and they had some other key players back as well, uh, either yeah. from injury or, or, or anything like that, uh, but whatever happened this week, you saw the defense kind of. You saw the you saw the secondary kind of flying around everywhere. They were making plays. They were reacting. They were just. They were actually just going out there and playing football, and they weren't thinking about it. They weren't kind of bogged down in this is where I need to be. This is what I need to do. They're just kind of. They know. They know where they're supposed to be now. They know what they're supposed to be doing, <laughs> and now they can just play <laughs> which makes it all the better when you're not thinking about things you can kind of that's when you start jumping routes that's when you start you know yeah. seeing seeing the field in a whole different way absolutely uh well at, at a great win for florida state uh you know as a florida fan i at, as your friend i was very happy to see you in a happy place last night as a florida fan a little bit of me is like oh okay because sergio and I, I we talk about it a little bit but like Sergio and I always talk about how, like, oh, we want FSU to be good for the state of Florida. And then you guys win one game, and we're like, eh. Yeah. <laughs> but but uh, I'm happy for you. It, it, it's, it's, it's good to see that there's progress being made. And especially with everything being thrown at FSU and pretty much everyone in college football this particular season. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's good to see that there's progress. Yeah, absolutely. And and one one other stat that, uh, that one of my buddies, uh, Kurt from the Tallahassee Democrat, uh, tweeted out the other day. Um, the yards per play average that FSU has had on offense um, in each of its ACC games this year has grown. Um, so, like, for instance, when it started, like, for Georgia Tech, it was 3.84 yards per play on offense. Uh, last night was 7.85 <laughs> offensive yards per oh, play. Oh, wow. That's a big jump. And that is, and uh, according to them anyway, that's the longest stretch of weekly offensive growth since October of 2003. So, so oh my god. So something <laughs> is working. I don't know what it is, That's good. but something I, I, is I'll definitely tell you working. what's at least part of it. I'll tell you what it's at least part of it. It's the not James Blackman effect. Yeah, honestly. I mean, uh, I mean there were I mean there were there were a couple of there were a couple of play even on on the first touchdown run. That's something that I don't think I would have ever seen James Blackman do. Um, yeah. you know, in, in, in any of the things that Jordan Travis did last night, I, I really don't think that I would have seen James Blackman do a lot of those things, especially when it comes to, when it comes to running the ball. And when defenses know you have a mobile quarterback, that will open up everything else in the offense. Yep. <laughs> well, uh, it's great to have you on Blake. Any parting words, thoughts, um, uh, about the game, uh, the future of FSU football? FSU opened up as a six and a half point underdog to Louisville, so we'll see how that goes. So, <laughs> I mean, I, I, for all intents and purposes, you could win that game by thirty points or or lose it by thirty points. I don't know what to make of Louisville. I like, I don't either anymore. It's uh, you know they play Notre Dame tight. They uh, give up a thousand yards of offense to Miami. I've I don't know what to make of Louisville. 
Um, always a always a good football team um, and playing in. I mean, home field advantage has its perks and doesn't this year, just with the you know with crowd yeah. noise and things like that. So you can't really take you know home and away games. Uh, as they're not as big of a factor as they have been in years past, but Absolutely. still, but still, you know, having having to go to Louisville, having to get everything, um, you know, playing on the road. Um, it's a mid afternoon game, I believe. It's the two thirty or three thirty slot. Um, but you know, playing on the road in Louisville um, hasn't always been great <laughs> for Florida State in the past. Um, but but sometimes but sometimes has had uh, pretty pretty good success over there. But uh, yeah, we'll just kind of have to see how it goes if the if the defense continues to play how they're playing. Um, I think that they can uh, the offense will score enough points to bail the defense out should it get kind of into a shootout like it did like it almost did last night. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, just gotta just gotta clean a couple things up. Florida State was inside the five twice. Um, and either came away with just a field goal or no points at all in the second half. So, yeah, you got to fix that. Yeah, so that's gotta that's gotta get rectified. Um, but it's just it's just little things, you know. And you you see it week to week. You really do see a pretty pretty substantial improvement in in all facets in all you know facets of the game. And just another note on offense: uh, that was your first game without Tamarian Terry. He, I mean, he's out for a couple of wow, weeks. Wow! So really? yeah, Terry, uh, Terry had knee surgery, so he's out for a couple of weeks. So you, you saw your receiver, you saw Keyshawn and Helton, you and still on, pulled that off. Yeah, you saw Keyshawn That's Helton and Ontario Wilson step up big time. So your your offense is clicking. They believe in the quarterback, um, and your and your defense is playing lights out. So let's just kind of see what you can do to keep that momentum going. Florida State's getting in the much easier stretch of their schedule now. Um, a very top-heavy schedule for Florida State this year, but uh, but yeah, kind of getting into that, getting into a stretch where you can you can string a couple of wins together uh, before that Clemson game on November twenty-first. <laughs> oh yeah, that's a that's a big one. Well, uh, thank you so much for joining us on Sideline Judgment. We'll be sure to have you on in the future, uh, and hopefully there'll be more things for you to talk about regarding FSU. Absolutely, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. All right, well, it was very very nice to hear the perspective of. The fan base from Tallahassee. It was very nice to see what they had to say about this FSU 31, North Carolina 28 victory. Tyler, thank you very much for securing your friend Blake onto the pod. Always a pleasure. Always a pleasure. Love to see that. And he is is always welcome back on the pod whenever he likes. Um, We have differences in our football teams, but I did like his takes. And I thought, you know, this guy guy can come back. Friend of the pod. He is a friend friend of the pod. pod. Yeah. Friend of the pod. Tyler, let's go into our five wide here. Um, we got some games to talk yeah, about. Yeah, we had some good games to talk about. Let's start off on Friday, all right? We yeah, got buddy. BYU and Houston. BYU ends up winning 43-26. We both get the points because we both picked BYU. Tyler, I watched this football game. I just want to say, God, BYU, when they want to play well, oh, my God, they're, they're good. good, man. That offense is clicking, dude. And, like, I don't want to take anything away from Houston because, like, they played a really good game. And for and, only being their second game after all the cancellations and stuff, I was very surprised. Yeah. Dan Holdenson's got them they got them cooking. But I think that they uh they played well. This game was a lot closer late into the fourth quarter. Mm-hmm. The BYU just turned it on. Yeah. Zach Wilson is so good, man. He's fantastic. He, he's just so, what is there to say that we haven't already gushed about this team? They're they're good at all levels, um, but I, the, I think the though what is, we he's what good, we saw man. here what we saw here was the one thing we were missing right was cool they're in a close game they how are you going to win this the great teams come out of this game with a victory and they were they, in a close game and they more than exceeded it was like seven minutes left and they were either tied or down three 
And as someone who allegedly took BYU minus three and a half, I was like, oh, am I going to, I'm sweating this one out a little bit. And then BYU and that offense said, Sergio, we got you. Don't worry. And they just put up a bunch of points. The defense was able to put pressure on Houston, force punts, forcing the ball to go back to the into BYU's hands. A great top-to-bottom performance. And I think even though it was close at the end, and people would say, oh, maybe they played a little bit of a sloppy game and they kind of turned it on at the end, I feel like that shows us how good of a team they can be and that it's very rare that teams are able to kind of flip the switch and say, all right, cool, it's go time, and mm-hmm. they can do it. They showed it to us. It's interesting. I'm, I'm excited to see what this BYU team has going forward. Me too, me too. And I, you know what? I, I'm i going to say it. I welcome the Zach Wilson jersey edits. Let's oh, go. Okay. Let's do it. All right. Let's do it. Really? I'm on board. You are on. Okay. All right. I, I mean, like, I don't know about, like, my team, but, like, we haven't seen him yet, and I'm ready to start seeing him. Okay. Like, who? What? What team? What? What team would you like to see? Zach okay. Wilson well, this is important. On? This is important. What we just said. Because <laughs> right, So well, what team we, needs a quarterback well, already, right now? Listen, it can't be the Vikings because we've already put Sam no, Howell no, no, there. No, no, no. We got to figure out a team. Oh god, this is tough. Um, let's think. Let's think. Let's think. Uh, future Indianapolis Colts starting quarterback. Uh, yes. Yes, Tyler. I love the way your brain thinks. I'm just. Saying, I love the like, way your brain thinks. Yeah. My other my other option was also in the AFC South. It was going to be that the Texans were going to trade Deshaun to get some draft nah, capital, and then they were going to take today. him. Well, they lost, so. <laughs> yeah, but he's so good. <laughs> I know he's so good. Um, I want it. I I want them to trade him away for two reasons. Quick NFL mm-hmm. tension here. One, I'm a yeah. Jacksonville Jaguars fan, and I want other teams in my division to suck. Correct. Um, and two, he's too good for them. Get him <laughs> out. Trade him to Jacksonville. I'll, I will give up. Every pick that we additionally required acquired just to get Deshaun mm-hmm. Watson. I'll all give right, you two two first round picks for Sean Watson right now. All right, all right, all right. I need you to slow down. We can revisit this later. Yeah, but okay, I do like that right. from from now on on the podcast, Zach Wilson will be known as future Indianapolis Colts quarterback Zach Wilson. Absolutely. May it hereby be declared. If we hit on the on. on this is gonna be our new thing. <laughs> we gotta buy we start, the jerseys. We just start saying which ones they're gonna they're gonna be. If, if we gotta we buy the jerseys. On these, we gotta buy the jerseys. <laughs> we need them. Okay. Oh man. All right. Next game: Pittsburgh and Miami. Miami wins thirty-one to nineteen, but Pittsburgh covers. Uh, I get the point. Tyler went with the chaos that was Pitt. I went with Miami because I thought that this Miami team was different than Miami teams of the past. I was correct. Yeah. Miami did play pretty sloppy in this football game, but they did not let it beat that they did not let that beat them they did not let clemson beat them two weeks in a row mm-hmm. they get the victory important to note pittsburgh missing kenny pickett i rolled with the chaos and it was too much chaos yeah the chaos took kenny pickett out of this game <laughs> i would i would argue that it was the proper amount of chaos you just weren't ready for the ride yeah but uh, okay you know just attack me like that that's fine <laughs> um but love you I mean, bud <laughs> i don't know if it's a take they lost by 12 points. I don't know if it's a take that I think with Kenny Pickett, Pittsburgh could have won this game. But That's a realistic take. The thing is, I, I noticed that too when watching this game, is that Miami is clearly growing as a team as of the years of the past because they did not yes. let this game. Clemson beat them twice. They didn't let it happen. Now, I will say, again, Miami's offense, is it's just Derek King. When Derek King yeah. makes mistakes, they suck. And yep. when he, he's everything to them. And he played, he had a couple mistakes here and there, but I think he played overall a good game. Mm-hmm. 
And you know what? You can still win with that, and we will see what happens. But I, I, I'm impressed with Miami for getting this win. And yep. Pitt, you didn't have Kenny Pickett, so it happens. <laughs> it happens. Pitt happens. Um, I do think that for next year, in terms of Miami, I am interested because I because you're right. The offense is De'Aaron King. When he struggles, the team struggles. Um, I'm going to be interested to see how Miami comes back next year because this was definitely a one year fix, but. Let's Again, see if Mi- this can be a thing. Like Miami had a really good year when Mark Rick took over. They like went ten, had ten wins at a big primetime win against Notre Dame game day, and then it all just went back downhill. So they need for long term effects. They need that that quarterback to go and step in, and they need to diversify that offense because it's kind of looking a little bit too one dimensional right now. And I know mm-hmm. this is nitpicking because, but that's the thing. I, I'm I mean, they glad won the game, so I'm glad that we're at a point that we're nitpicking Miami. Because that means that there has been significant improvement from yeah, years prior. Usually and we for just the say sake that they the suck sport, and we usually we, they, we just on. say that they suck and we're right. So exactly. But now there's justification. So cool. All right, Tyler. Let's move on to the heartbreaker of the day. What a UCF, game. UCF forty nine, Memphis fifty. Tyler, you get the point there because I went with UCF. There was and I would have gotten away with it too there if it was wasn't for you meddling kids. Um <laughs> I gotta say, this is probably so far. This has got to be like the game of the year. Like, I mean, can, can you think of a better right. one? Mm. I was. We're on the wrong no, side man. of the Florida Texas A and M game. Maybe that's the one. But like, that, well, that was a good game. That was a good game. I I rewatched. I well, didn't watch okay, it. Okay, actually, Red River it, but... for for what this year is. I uh, think yeah, Red yeah. River was probably the game of the year. Okay, right, but this um, is a this is a good second. This is a this really is a good, good game. I have, I said. I got a couple takeaways from this game. One, mm-hmm. the UCF, bad break. Yep. You missed the game when it came. Happens. Yep. Happens. Whoosh. However, there is something to be said about UCF was the better team early in this game. And UCF could not s- step on Memphis's throat for black. Yeah. Like, and they, they tried. They tried, but they, they couldn't get the kill. They couldn't, they couldn't go for the kill. They let Memphis hang in there. And I want to give credit to Memphis. Brady White, the medical practice of Brady White. Mm-hmm. The, Memphis is a, typically a run-heavy team. They're very creative with how they do it, but they like to run. Yeah. And at one point in this game, they said, well, we can't do that anymore. Um, and they <laughs> well, started passing, and Brady so. White looked good. Yeah, the medical practice of Brady White was 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 definitely thrown at. Mark Jones was on the call, and he was – I just got to point this out, that the man was on fire. He was, he was saying how, yeah, Brady White is this and that, and he's – transfer whatever and he's he's uh and he's just dice he is just dissecting this defense Whoa. like a doctor you know he's, he's dissecting this defense and one. then he said like a doctor and he says and he will be getting that doctorate too pretty soon i was like mark jones you king <laughs> you king <laughs> this is how i would be on a broadcast like oh for sure on, this is how they let me in the booth unashamed about it <laughs> i i pity the company that allows us to call a college football game together one day I pity they, them. The, the, the fools. The, the, the fools. biggest mistake they'll make. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, but I want to I want to point out that this is a tale <laughs> of Florida fans. Take a look at this UCF team. Take a look at the game that they just played. This is the worst case scenario for Florida. Why is that? Because UCF dominated offensively at the beginning. Obviously let up some points because the defense is bad. And then when the team tried to step on the, their throats, there were two instances, Tyler, in this game mm-hmm. where UCF was in the red zone and turned the football over. You cannot do that. 
You can't do that. Even if you walk away with two field goals, they win this football game. Yeah. And they should definitely walk away with another 14 points, and then boom, the game is completely out of reach. But that didn't happen. It's a consequence of being so over-dependent on your offense that, like what happened to us in Texas A&M, one mistake, like a Malik Davis fumble, one mistake, or two mistakes in this case, two red zone turnovers, or a missed field goal at the end of the game, cost you an entire football game that you probably deserve to win because overall you were the better football team yeah. that day. And that's- so take notice, Florida fans. This was a cautionary tale in what the worst thing could happen to us as Gator fans. Yeah. And I, I got to say, I provide analysis for this game. My analysis was that I think Brian Silverfield was a better coach than Josh Heupel. Yeah. And that was the only one. And I, I kind of think I'm slightly validated in that. I think you Memphis out-executed at every step of the, at every well, step of the way well, late Memphis, in the game. Memphis adapted yeah, to what UCF changed, was giving them. And it worked. And Tyler, at its core, that's coaching, dude. You were right. Yeah. You were and right. The, and part of coaching is that when you have a lead, you, you step on that lead. Mm-hmm. And that, that's why Bill Belichick is the Or race. if you have – if you step on that lead, lead in whatever way you want, right? If you just want to score another 21 points, put it out of reach. Or if you have a fantastic defense and you can literally just run the football and stop them, know, know your strengths of your team. And yeah. um, Memphis knew the strengths of their team and were able to adjust and And, and that's, that's one of those things defense. that I think may have worked against UCF in the fact that their offense is – Dylan Gabriel, I think, I've heard this said, and I actually agree with it. I think Mackenzie Milton was a better college quarterback than Dylan Gabriel. But Mm -hmm. I think that Dylan Gabriel would probably be a better NFL prospect because he's got a better arm, Mm -hmm. like distance-wise. He can launch that thing vertically. And their offense is so good at the home runs. But I think that what what UCF needed to do at a certain point was adjust their game plan to, okay, we're we're just trying to get first downs now. We're not trying mm-hmm. to we're not trying to score points. We're trying to get first downs. Like right because if you keep getting first downs, you'll eventually get points. But you mm-hmm. run clock, and they run so fast that you got to be like, it's okay to keep running these plays, and let, fast. But you don't try to score a touchdown every single play because if you don't hit on it, you've taken twenty seconds off the clock. Well, isn't that the Mike Leach thing where you're so tunnel visioned on one concept that you don't look out to other concepts? Absolutely. And I think that's a great point to transition. I want to say, though, Dylan Gabriel threw for 600 yards and they lost his football game. It was a school record. What a shame. What a shame. Yeah. Moving on. Texas A&M 28. Texas A&M 28. Alexa's going to hate you after this week. You know, it's... I'm trying to win here. Like, I know. Like, I respect it. I respect the hustle. I respect the um, hustle. Okay. Texas A&M, 28. Mississippi State, 14. We both got the points there. We both picked A&M because we both saw the writing on the wall with Mississippi State and Mike mm. Leach. Um, Tyler, yeah. I only saw the highlights to this football game. I watched a little um, bit of it live. Talk to um, me. Talk to me. What did you see live? Because from the highlights, I just saw an A&M team that effectively, defensively, was very effective in just containing those wide receivers. Yeah, it wasn't flashy how they won mm-hmm. this game, but it was very workmanlike. Um, yeah. I think that Texas A&M showed up and they handled business. They didn't – I mean, one of their tu- one of Mississippi State's touchdowns was a defensive touchdown. That was a complete mm-hmm. fluke, which, you know, right. take your points where you can get them, but, like, mm-hmm. that's not a sustainable, reliable, indicative form of what this team is mississippi state's defense is actually pretty good in my opinion like yeah for what a miss for a mississippi state defense for for what this team is the defense i think is a stronger side of the ball and she's not used to being a mike leach thing but well it's also he's he's also has the most talented roster he's ever had uh, yeah so. absolutely and 
Texas A&M, you know, they struggled to move the ball a little bit, but they, they Kellen Mond didn't backslide for I mean, the Florida game was probably his best game he's ever played, but like, mm-hmm. you know, he showed control over the game. They moved the ball. They committed, committed to the running game. Isaiah Spiller had a great game. And on the other side of the ball, Mississippi State just couldn't move the ball. The, the book has been written by Washington and copied and sold by the SEC. Like uh, yeah. it, and the thing I will say when when Miss KJ Costello got uh, hit out of the game, like I think he'll be fine long term. But he he mm-hmm. got taken out of the game for a combination of getting hit a lot and also just wasn't effective. Their freshman came in, Will Rogers, which is a freshman that Mike Leach recruited, and he looks pretty good. He looks very fit for the system. Mm-hmm. Still. What are you going to do at that point? He was one of their oh. touchdowns, and they were already down three scores late. In the also, game. so also Kylan Hill didn't play, and I feel like that's that's got to be part of, of it. That's like, got to be part of it because I feel like he is such a threat for that dump off wheel route, throw it to the flat, get the wide receiver in, get the running back, talented running back in space, getting the ball, and have him make a play. And they didn't have that option, so yeah. Not saying that that would have been done every play, but when you have the option, the defense has to respect it. So absolutely. Feel that way on that. We both got the points. And then Tyler, game of the day, game of the week. Game of the week. Number three, Georgia put up 24 points, but it was not enough because Alabama put up 41. We both get the point on that one. Um, this game started off with back-to-back turnovers and then perfect, an enormous play by Mac Jones. He threw a dime. He threw Mac a Jones' dime. ball placement is just truly incredible. Like Fantastic. Here's the thing. Duval's own. That's your boy. I on a phone call with my dad today, and I was like, I can already see it. I can already see it happening. Because there's no way the Jaguars will be worse than the Jets. So we're not getting Trevor Lawrence. And I can see the call to be like, bring Mac Jones home. Bring Bull, Duval County's own Bulls Bulldog. Bring him back home. And I kind of, I'm not against it. I would yeah, prefer Justin Fields. Uh, I was going to say. I, I mean, I hate, yeah, I hate bowls, but, like, uh, that's not important. What about, what about, what if, as a Jaguar fan, as a Jags fan, you are presented and you say you have two options. Okay. You have Mac Jones. Okay. Or Kyle Trask. Oh. Who, who that like, like, Justin Fields off the table, Trevor Lawrence off the table, um, Trey Lance off the table. These I, are the only two options take, you have. I would take Kyle Trask, and here's why. We'll get back to actually talking about this game in just a second. I would take Kyle Trask, and here's why. He is putting up similar numbers with um, probably... He's putting up similar numbers with not like the three most talented wide receivers in the country and not okay. with the best running back in the country and the best offensive line in the country. And like He does have the best tight end in the country, it, though. Yeah, and... He does have the best tight end in the country, and he he makes he makes that work for him. Um, and I would but, make it, and I would make an argument that Kadarius Tony's a top five wide receiver. I know I would, but I mean John Mechie, Devontae Smith, yeah, Jalen Waddle, Waddle, yeah, always yeah. open. Um, and Waddle House. This is this is the way I feel about Kyle Pitts, and it's like, oh, Nick Del Toro tweeted once. He's just like Kyle Pitts was double covered, so probably a risky throw, but Kyle Pitts was there, so it was a good decision. Um, <laughs> um, but that's the thing. Uh, Kyle Trask, I think, has been better quarterback coached. Mm-hmm. Maybe not has great of an arm. I think I would trust him processing mentally because the thing is, I think Mac Jones is re- a really good quarterback. He's not like a usual Bama quarterback that has all the best talent, but it's just okay. Like he's not. I don't think he's as good as Tua, but like he's a really good quarterback. His ball placement yeah. is incredible. He showed that in this game. He did, and that and, to me was Georgia's the big defense, takeaway from this game. Georgia's defense 
is the best defense in the country. And my dad texts me, he's like, Alabama's making them look normal. Yeah. I hope Dan Mullen isolated from his family and everyone was watching this football game on his MacBook. Just oh, like, I, you know he notes. was. Oof, you know he was. Because, because wow, we don't have Waddle or any other um, or of the wide receivers, Smith or, John, yeah. Smith or anyone else. We got some good players, and yeah. we can – He, I trust his mind to scheme out for our players to do that. And also, they're going to be so – they're going to pay so much attention. George's going to pay so much attention to Pitts that it can open up other plays. But we're not doing a Florida-Georgia preview. No, 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 no. We got um, to back to this game. We got to back so, up to this. I liked Mac Jones in this football game because he was really there, good. Were, there were moments when I was like, okay, I understand why this, why Saban last year when Tua went down said, I'm comfortable with Mac Jones. Not that he's better. Obviously not. But that yeah. he was comfortable. He's productive. The thing is, he just looks like a Greg McElroy frat boy Alabama quarterback. He does. But he doesn't play like one. He plays he like a legitimately good, like a great college quarterback. Yeah. Which, like, Alabama's offense, too good. It took him a little while to get going. Georgia's defense is incredible. They locked them down early. Well, not locked them down, but they, they kept it tight early. They contained. Um, on, on the Georgia side, Georgia led at halftime, 24-20, which we could make jokes about another Kirby Smart choke, but four points isn't really – No, no, like, no. Four, it's and, not really and a it, joke. And, they, and Saban drove – and they drove at the end of the half to kick the field goal. Yeah. Like, But some of Georgia's points came off of like a wild play to James Cook that is mm-hmm. just – I don't want to say fluke, but it's just an incredible play. Mm-hmm. Stetson Bennett early on the law offices of Stetson the law offices of Stetson Bennett like I the think fourth. Todd Munkin is a good offensive coordinator mm-hmm. but I, I mean this is the game that showed you that Stetson Bennett has limitations he went 18 for 40 yeah and when the offense is good because you saw that Georgia's was able to run the ball on Alabama early mm-hmm. but when they had to throw Georgia's offense isn't built for that but but when you look at the running stats Tyler they were averaging like four and a half, five yards a carry. I don't understand why the decision was made to go away from the running game. It yeah. was working. I Especially since that Alabama's it... probably going to give it to you so exactly. that they can keep you from passing. Exactly. So, like, I don't understand. Yes, maybe you take up more clock. Maybe those of us who allegedly bet the under would have been happier. But, like, it was working. You were getting enough enough yards per run that you could have sustained that. Like, uh, I, And that's the thing where – and we can start talking about I think it's a I think it's an appropriate time to start talking about the Kirby's the Kirby Smart and um Mark Rick parallels because okay. this is something that Mark Rick would do. Mark Wick Mark Rick would put one thing in his head and say, This is how we should play to beat them in the pregame like concept, which is true. The way to beat this Alabama team on paper early on was to throw the football them, and go like because their secondary was, was doing was doing bad. But when they're giving you something, you gotta take advantage of it. Because then it throws the defense off because it's not what they expected. You're able to get yards, get points, take up time, and be able to do do the things you got to do to win the football game. So I don't get Just why they moved away from Do what that. works. Yeah, it's, football's it, not hard. Score more points yeah. than the other team. That's the goal. However yeah. you do that is a variable. It's, it's easy for us. Again, we, we judge here from the sidelines. and I know it's more complicated than that. But from a base concept, like I think that it gets lost in the window a lot of times. Just do what works. Yeah, and out, and it works. was working for Georgia, and then they kind of went away from it. And I I came out of this game, I expected Alabama to win by more. Mm-hmm. Actually, I probably expected them to win by this much, but I expected them to have more control of the game early. So I was impressed right. with Georgia's ability to stay in it. But it's just a, it's just a case of Alabama's too good. Mm-hmm. 
for and Georgia Georgia is one of the better teams in the country, but they're on a different tier than Alabama. Yeah, talent wise, like numbers, stars, talent wise, they're on the same tier, but it's not the same. No, it's not the same. And, 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 and Nick Saban I'm, was I'm even actually, coaching this game. Like, I'm actually curious as to what the psychology is in Georgia, in the Georgia program, because they have they have literally done everything that they've needed to do to put themselves in a position to compete for a title, even so, even going so far as being in the national championship game. Mm-hmm. And for some reason, they just can't seal the deal ever. No. You know, I don't get it. And I, and it's, and it's, it's a fascinating case study because it's something that this team should, this team should have, have a national championship under its belt. Yeah. This team should, should be better than performing better than what they, what for they how are. Much talent and, they have and for how their division has looked up until like the last year or two. Yeah. And now it's over two coaching staffs with Mark Richt and Kirby Smart. So like, what is going on in that yeah. program? I mean, that. I think it's hard to come away with watching Georgia consistently over and over again, and come away with any other, any other, um, kind of idea than Kirby Smart is meddling with the offense. Yeah, I don't think he's like Will Muschamp level meddling with the offense, but I have to like, I just think Georgia is going to be like this, mm-hmm. and I want to give him credit because if Jamie Newman came in and they were actually trying to change the offense and then he opted out, they have to go back to this. But I just get this feeling that this is what Kirby Smart wants to be, and I just don't think this can work. Maybe it can one day, but like it, 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 they, they seem a more talented program than they were under Rick, but I don't yeah. know if they seem super better. But I think it's like clenching my fist to a fault. It's like, I want it to be this way, but it's like, you yeah. know, maybe that doesn't work right now. Maybe it was going to work when Jamie Newman was going to come in. I get it, but things happen. You got to change and adapt. All this to say... I just want to end this on, like, I don't, as Gator fans especially have a tendency to do this whenever mm-hmm. Georgia loses for anything. I don't think Kirby Smart is a bad coach. Like, by any I, don't I think he's one of the best defensive coaches in the country. Mm-hmm. Like, his defensive game yeah. plan is all is all over the place. I just think that he's slightly better Mark Richt. Right. Who is a good But that's coach. not a bad thing. Mark Richt had a fantastic run. Yeah. Mark, Mark Richt is a, is a caught pass that should have been dropped away from... Uh, Probably a national championship over Notre Dame in 2012 yep. season. Yeah, you're right. But once again, losing to Saban. Yep. And we say all this. He's playing. He's going up against the best coach and program in college football history. That's the so thing. Like, like it's it's a shame because if Nick Saban wasn't Nick Saban, they'd definitely probably have two championships by now. Yeah, but he's Nick Saban. So, but he's Nick Saban. I would love to write the book one day of all of the of all of the championships that Nick Saban has robbed teams from. Hmm, okay. It'd be an interesting story to look back at like how college football would be different if Nick Save if the Nick Saban brick wall wasn't there. That is fantastic, Tyler. Yeah. Because there's only one team, there's only one coach has ever been able to smash through the brick wall in the championship game. It's Dabo Sweeney. It's Dabo Sweeney. And I would actually argue there's only I would power. argue it's Deshaun Watson. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's 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 Sean Watson and Trevor Lawrence, yeah. <laughs> but um, <laughs> and I mean you could argue Urban Meyer did it too in a couple of instances, but you know this is a conversation for the off season. Huh? This is this is an off season conversation that I, I hope that we can expand on this on this platform um, before we hash it out for our, our book, Tyler, our book. Yeah. Um, let's go to two point conversion. We both got the Bama point. Tyler, Ole Miss twenty one, Arkansas thirty three. I for one would love to talk about Arkansas. As I've stated multiple times are, 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 in the is, past. Is it fun to talk about with you? 
Because you know I may have not gotten a point out of this game, but I consider this a win for for the brand. Um, it's, I'm revoking you know your take privileges. It is it is fun to talk about because you didn't get points. Okay, I'll accept that because you were wrong. Um, I was. It, here's the thing. I'm not really... I'm not about to beg for forgiveness like I did no, with no, the no, Brock no. Purdy train because I'm all in. I'm all in on Brock Purdy as we oh, all yeah. know. Oh yeah, he keeps um, getting better, but that's not he does he does Brocktober. But um, on this one, like I'm I'm gonna stand my ground here. No, that's fine. Um, Sam Pittman, coach of the year. They could lose every other game, and Sam Pittman would coach, coach of the year. Of the year. Uh, they they held you should give him the coach of the year for next year. Now, yeah, twenty one points impact. is not indicative of how well Arkansas's defense played in this game. Correct. They played Correct. better than that. Like Matt Corral looked lost. Felipe Franks had a great game. Um, Arkansas just they, they if for nothing else. And I had a friend who used to cover Arkansas way back when. And she knew about Sam Pittman, who's more of an assistant there. Mm-hmm. Um, and you remember when Sam Pittman was hired as the Arkansas head coach, he was like crying at the podium because he'd always dreamed yeah. of having this job. Yeah. And I was very like not on it just because I thought Arkansas was in a terrible position. And I, his man, I felt head I coach. felt bad that someone who loved the program so much was going to get run out in three years because the situation seemed irreparable. And and my friend Kayla mentioned to me is like, yeah, but like he is going to have them. Things like people love Sam Pittman, and he's gonna have them playing with swagger, like, and that's exactly what's exactly. happening. Yeah, they out swaggered Lane Kiffin and Old Miss, and I, I, I'm at a loss for words. I think, and I think that that kind of situation is just what Felipe Franks needed. Yeah, because he has swagger, and he's not a top tier quarterback, but yeah. he's good, and and his teammates love him. Like, yes, he, he, people forget that the reason that um, the reason that he was a starting quarterback over Trask that first year Mullen had was one Trask broke his foot in spring game, and number two, when he got the job because of Trask broken a foot, the team rallied around him. They loved him. Yeah, he's a leader. He's a leader in the locker room. So yeah. great, great well, for Arkansas. Love to see it. Bad for me. Bad for you. No great po- for no me. For me. Great for me is NC State beating Duke thirty-one to ten. Um, a fantastic. A fantastic um, performance, might I say. Thirty-one to twenty. Sorry, I put ten, but I meant twenty. Yeah, thirty-one to twenty. That. Yeah, thirty-one to twenty. Um, catch of the day from this game. That helmet catch was beautiful. Just fantastic. should have been an interception, but definitely it was should have been an interception. And those are the kind of things that kind of turned the game around because if that was a pick, oof, oh boy, it would have yeah, been. It would have been twenty-one twenty. I didn't know. I would have been sweating it. But hey, look, shout out to NC State, ranked four and one. Good for them. Um, NC State, North Carolina is going to be a good football game this year. <laughs> Evidently, you know, Evidently, I, I can. I, I'm okay with that. Like, there's there, there are worse things in the world. There are worse things. Correct. There are worse things. So, um, awesome. There. The score to date: Tyler twenty six, Sergio twenty two. I am sweating. I'm coming back slowly. I'm coming back slowly. I'm telling I'm you right sweating. now, Tyler. Listen, before we sign off, before we sign off, let's do moment of the week. Tyler, what was your moment of the week? I just had it. Give me a second. Um, moment of the week. Let me find it. I just had it. Crap. Mm-hmm. Um, was, it's got to be what uh, Mark Stoops said. Yeah, that was about, nice. About beating Kentucky. That was but, nice. Uh, beating Tennessee. Yeah. Uh, I, ha- I have like the quote here. Give, give me a second. Basically, it amounts to um, he was asked about how he's going to feel about this win. And he's just like, I'm going to pop some like whiskey on the bus home and smoke a cigar when I get home. 
People are like, oh, I stay humble. I'm like, no, Kentucky just beat Tennessee in Knoxville. There is talk no it. humility. Like, Go through it. Talk your it. Like, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. I'm so – I hate it, – it's weird because, like, I hate playing them now because Kentucky's good and they, and they, like, they want to beat Florida so bad. But I'm so happy for Kentucky as a program. Yeah, this is too. the most successful they've been in a, such a long time. It's kind of little brotherish, and I, I, and it's a thing where I'm, I'm loving that my little brother is thriving. <laughs> I still yeah. want to beat my little brother, but I'm oh, yeah. loving that they're thriving. You know, absolutely. Good moment. Good moment. Good my moment. moment, Tyler. Let's go back to Arkansas because my moment was watching the celebrations after they beat Ole Miss. It was yeah. Arkansas's first SEC home victory since 2017. Tyler. Jeez. So they were able to celebrate with the limited amount of fans that were there. The crowd shots were fantastic. The team all went over and the band's playing. Pittman's hugging every player. They're all running to him. It was just fantastic scenes. And again, it's fantastic to see to see that happen. They should be three and one. They should be three they and one. I was about to say. Got robbed out of Auburn last week, but so is life. Say lovey. So lovey. There you go. There you go. Tyler, that's the episode. Um anything else that you want to say before we sign off? No, a good week. Despite how there were limited games, a lot of postponements, um, and we didn't think this game would, this week would be as good of college football as, as previous, it actually turned out to be pretty good. Um, it was a, a very entertaining week. A lot of entertainment to be had. And you know yes. what? Uh, I've never lost a Saturday to co- of college football. Like There's always never. something to be good. To always be, something, something good to be gained. Um, but excited to watch. We get the Big Ten next week. We get the Big Ten next week. I'm very excited. Which, I'm kind of excited about, but it's no. The Big I'm very Ten. excited. Oh, I mean, I'm very excited. Like, what am I talking I about? What, what it's am more I college football. Yeah, come on, dude. Come oh, on. I can't wait to watch Justin Fields to have people remember that there is another. There's a one B quarterback in this class. <laughs> it's Justin Fields. Yeah, that be that would that's something I am also excited for. It's gonna be fun. It's gonna be a fun yeah. fun time. We'll we'll preview all those games next week, Tyler. Um, want to say thank you to your friend for coming on, giving us his FSU takes. Um, but yeah, this has been another episode of Sideline Judgment. My name is Sergio. My name is Tyler. We are not biased, but go Gators. Go Gators.